The Locked and Loaded Latinos podcast is part of the Self-Defense Radio Network. All your pro-freedom podcasts in one place. You can find the Self-Defense Radio Network at sdrn.us. Some of the great shows that you'll see there are the Polite Society podcast, Self-Defense Gun Stories, Gun Freedom Radio, Riding Shotgun with Charlie, and many, many others. Thank you so much for being a listener, and we hope you enjoy the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 42 of the Locked and Loaded Latinos podcast. I am Rolo the Puerto Rican Pistolero, and as always, I am joined by my lovely, beautiful wife and co-host, Joe, Latina Locked and Loaded. Uh, How are you doing this evening, my love? Hello, everyone. And uh, today is actually May the 2nd. May the uh, 2nd. Yeah, so May the 2nd be with you guys. So uh, a lot of people celebrate May the 4th, but uh, we saw that some people on the internet are actually celebrating May the 2nd. So may the 2nd Amendment be with you today uh, and every day. But, Yoda uh, we says, can... Don't assert your me. right to defend your life. <laughs> awesome. So that's a fun little thing today. Uh, we have another a fun-filled and action-packed show for you. As always, we are going to talk a little bit about, well, we're going to talk a lot about the Supreme Court finally taking, uh, after years, a uh, pivotal, a pivotal, not pivotal, <laughs> a pivotal, a pivotal, there I go again. Well, a pivotable, I'm no can't speak English pivotable, today. I'm just going to say a pivotal Supreme Court uh, case. Your English is very good looking. Yes, it is. It's great tonight. Uh, that, could, uh, that could really uh, change things for us and uh, make uh, national carry a, uh, really a thing. Or uh, work against us if it goes in the opposite direction. So we'll talk about that. We'll talk about the Ninth uh, Circuit actually doing something positive uh, for, for the Second Amendment for once. Uh, and 3D printing in particular. And uh, we will also close out with uh, talking about NICS. Uh, and uh, how the NICS system is being used by the FBI to spy on us. Um, I'm, I am totally shooketh. I just read the article. Um, John Crumb's amazing article as usual. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I am truly shooketh, yeah. as they say, as the kids say. So uh, we will discuss that, and we will close out the show, as always, with the Constitution in uh, English and Spanish, as always. So without further ado, let's get started, and we're going to talk about the uh, Supreme Court decision. So Joe, get us started on that, and let us know what is the story here. Sure thing. So the Supreme Court will finally, I'm sure everybody saw it, will finally be has accepted to uh, hear a Second Amendment case. It is coming from New York. It is the New York State Rifle and Pistol Association's V. Corlett. It is concerning the New York uh, law that governing, um, that licenses to carry concealed handguns in public. It requires a resident to show what New York calls, and I quote, an actual and articulate need to do so and that is a real word um basically in new york state it's it's not uh may carry it's i mean it's a what do you you call that may issue may issue so exactly so if i were to get a uh put in an application in florida which i did to get a concealed carry they don't ask me 
anything. They just make sure that I pass my background check, my fingerprints, I pay the fee, I have the training, and boom, three to 16,000 weeks later, I finally get my license in the mail. Mm -hmm. Pretty much a given, as long as you're not a criminal. In New York, and I believe in a few other states, you have to demonstrate a need. And it, it is not as easy as you would think saying, I live in a high crime area. I, you know, have fear for my life for part any particular reason. It usually doesn't go that way. So basically in this case, um, there are two men who were denied uh, licenses. It was Robert Nash and Brandon Koch. And they're being represented by Paul Clement, who served as a solicitor general during Bush's administration. Um, Nash, for instance, requested to carry a handgun for self-defense after a string of robberies occurred in his neighborhood. He was denied because he did not demonstrate a special need for self-defense. I don't know what they consider a special need for self-defense if being fearful of a bunch of robberies. That clearly, we have some criminals in our neighborhood, apparently... New York State says, uh, tough noogies, you get to die if you get mugged. Yeah, pretty much. Brandon Koch wanted for similar uh, reasons, and he was uh, saying that he was experiencing in a safety training course, and he too was denied. Um, basically, in New York, you have to have special need, proper cause to qualify to hold firearms under state law. They typically reserve concealed carry licenses for security professionals or others who can plausibly plausibly claim that they face grave threats due to their occupation or public identity. So basically, um, you have to be a security professional or you have to be famous, which is pretty. So basically, once again, it's the, the peons suffer. Yep, absolutely. Um, you can keep your handgun at home, but you are not allowed to conceal carry or travel with it, carry them in public, according to state law. Um, did I pretty much cover everything? I think that was pretty much it. What For else? What? Well, hold on, there was a few other things. Um, when will this case be heard? The case will be heard next term, so that is October. A lot of people thought it was a up and that's mm -mm. still a few months away. And this is the first time that the Supreme Court has agreed to, you know, see a case in over a decade. Last time was a 2008 Heller case, and no, 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 2010 yep. follow-up case, uh, McDonald versus the city of Chicago. Yep. Um, Heller basically, the decision um, said, majority opinion, which was penned by the late Justice Antonin Scalia, um, that you can keep your, your guns in home for self-defense. And then um, the McDonald case kind of cleaned that up. However... There was a, a large hole that that ruling, those rulings left behind, which was a never really addressed concealed carry and left that up to the states. Pretty much it. That's where we're at. Yep. Uh, that pretty much covers it. So what are the implications of this? Well, I think it's pretty, pretty obvious how this could go. I think this is the case that will give us, well, if it goes in our favor, I think it's the case that, Pretty much, depending on it, the exact lines that it goes across, it will give us either national reciprocity or constitutional carry. It could be that, or at least national concealed carry. Now, the question is, will the courts rule on kind of a narrow bounds where 
almost like the status quo, I guess you could say, where maybe we have national reciprocity, but individual states can still regulate their concealed carry process, uh, licensing, things like that. Will it be totally open where it doesn't matter and it's constitutional carry or at least concealed carry without question everywhere unregulated? Um, that remains to be seen. Or could it go the opposite direction where they say that states can completely regulate concealed carry? It's not guaranteed under the Constitution. Um, I don't think it would go to the extreme of, you know, basically saying, well, you have an individual right to keep and bear arms in your home and that's it not out in public like the Ninth uh, Circuit Court that came up a few weeks ago was essentially saying with the uh, Hawaii case. So I think it'll be somewhere in between like that. Like I said, the worst case scenario would either be kind of the status quo or that states can you know regulate more, uh, which would obviously be terrible. I don't think it would go so far to basically tell existing states that have constitutional or concealed carry that they don't have the right to do that. Let's be realistic. Um, that would be that would be pretty extreme. I would only expect that if the court was heavily, you know, six six four, or I should say five four in in uh, the anti gun favor. Now you should never really trust the Supreme Court on the Second Amendment. And let's say that one of the things that I was asking Joe, and one of the questions that we always need to ask ourselves, is is the Supreme Court always right? And this is one of the things that I think. Conservatives always talk about how important the Supreme Court is. I know that that was one of the top reasons that people voted for Donald Trump um, the first, especially in his first term, uh, was to try to get those Supreme Court uh, picks, which he did. Um, so, but is the Supreme Court always right? Uh, I think that sometimes, you know, with even decisions like Heller, they didn't go far enough. Uh, obviously, if we want to go really in historical precedence, a lot of people would disagree with Roe versus Wade. That's that's not as controversial as the Dred Scott decision, though. That's really the biggest one where they were wrong, where they essentially ruled that, um, you know, slaves are property, that they can never be citizens, and then they can never, um, uh, you know, get out of that 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 uh, station, and that the Missouri Compromise was essentially unconstitutional. You know, that required that any states, I believe, uh, west of the Mississippi would have to be, uh, you know, free states or choose or, or forgot the exact, um, uh, the exact verbiage, uh, the, the exact verbiage. I believe all free territories west and north of uh, latitude 36 and 30th, um, 36 degrees and 30 minutes uh, was unconstitutional. So that's just getting into the weeds. But we know that that decision was wrong. Obviously, the Supreme Court was completely wrong about that. They could have kind of overturned uh, slavery but they decided not to. Now, we can have other arguments besides that, but it comes down to a time where, let's say the Supreme Court went in the worst case scenario and they completely went against uh, the Second Amendment. Would uh, would we be willing to stand for that or would we just go on with you know a shall not comply mentality when it comes to that? That we're, we'll, we won't allow ourselves to get rolled back. We won't you know throw away our concealed carry permits or our constitutional carry rights for the states to have them. And I think uh, we always need to be prepared for things like that with the First, uh, First Amendment as well. And it's one of those things, it's again, um, you know, the discussion of the term law-abiding citizen. Well, if the laws are unconstitutional, are you really going to abide by them? So really you want to be a peaceable citizen, meaning that you're not out looking for violence or anything like that. 
you want to exercise your rights and you will defend yourself and you know you'll defend yourself against any enemies foreign and domestic um because those are your god-given rights that's really what what it's going to come down to with this case in my opinion uh, I think it will be. I, it could so be a landmark case. I so think either th we get everything or we get what we have now. I think that that's kind of what would happen now, or at least the states that are being restricted. The Supreme Court will essentially say that they can restrict the Second Amendment. I think that would be the worst case. They won't do anything to regulate or overturn the Second Amendment in the Supreme Court, but they might say that states have the right to basically regulate it into oblivion if they want. So let's say they they vote in favor of. Um... You know, the states cannot regulate. Yeah. Or at least not with concealed carry. With like, concealed carry. Yeah, concealed carry reciprocity probably is what's happening. It's not going to be an, an, a blanket Second Amendment kind of thing. I, I Realistically, I don't think it would be. FPC has a really good brief about what their goals are with the case. It's fairly long. I suggest everyone read it if you're on their mailing list. I think uh, they have it on their website. That's the Firearms Policy Coalition. Um, but... I think that's kind of the gamut that we can expect. That's just from me reading some things and taking a look at realistically what the case is over and what, you know, kind of what bearings would be there. So it's kind of on them. Now, this could explain why the Supreme Court hasn't taken up other cases, because essentially this case will decide pretty much it gives them the latitude to decide everything if they want to. They could go full shall not be infringed. This gives them the opening for that to basically kind of status quo. So it can be dangerous, but this is pretty much, if you want a case that is going to give you what, that's going to give us what we want, it has to be one that puts everything in danger, unfortunately. That's the way that it is. So that's why, again, I asked the question, if the Supreme Court were to rule against us and really went basically against the Second Amendment, would you still, would you accept that? or not and like i said the supreme court has been wrong in the past the supreme court has overturned its own rulings in the past you know different supreme courts have done that uh, throughout history as things change um you know obviously as a conservative you don't you believe in the word the original word uh, of the constitution typically but you know sometimes different circumstances can change like obviously the dred scott decision again is the biggest one we the country realized that slavery was immoral, so obviously that was thrown out with the Emancipation Proclamation, the Civil War. But uh, it took way too long for that to happen. So it it can happen. The Supreme Court can be wrong, and you can choose you know, what you need to do after that. And I think if they were to go against us, we would have to pretty much tell Republicans in our states, um, hey, are you going to hold strong on this, or are you going to take it? Because we've seen that the left, even with the Heller decision, it's still almost impossible to get your um, concealed carrier, your handgun in Washington, D.C. It's extremely difficult. Um, so what is the stipulation for concealed carry in Washington, D.C.? D.C. it's none, right? You I, yeah, can't, I nobody you have, can do it. I, I think, yeah, you still, I think it's May issue. You still have to go through the police department there. All your guns have to be shipped through the uh, Washington Police Department, uh, the D.C. Police Department. Um, you have to deal with all their regulations. So it's still really onerous there and very difficult but i think that they kind of skirted around what the actual spirit of the um heller decision was i think most of these states do so maybe if uh if if uh thomas has a lot of sway here in alito 
They can do us a solid right the majority position here. Roberts will probably side with the left. He always does. Um, I think he does that even when he believes in something because he wants to sort of maintain this balance. He feels like there needs to be a, a moral, some moral uh, code behind the court to show that they're trying to be uh, a neutral arbiter between the left and the right when really they're supposed to be a neutral arbiter of the Constitution regardless of either side. If there are things that conservatives don't like, they shouldn't give a crap about that uh, any more than they give a crap about what the left wants. It's whether it's constitutional or not, and that should be the way that it is. But we know it isn't. So uh, I, I think I feel pretty good about it. So yes, I know it's six three conservative. I'm pretty sure Roberts is not going to side with the Second Amendment because that's just the way he is. I feel like uh, Clarence Thomas has been vocal about his support of the Second Amendment, mm -hmm. and I have a quote here from him. It says, "If a lower court treated another right so cavalierly, I have little doubt that this court would intervene." This was yep. in a 2018 case he wrote. But as evidenced by our continued inaction in this area, the Second Amendment is a disfavored right in that this is. court. If that isn't uh, indicative of what he would side with, I don't know what else would be. Kavanaugh and Amy Coney Barrett are kind of like untried, but however, uh, Brett Kavanaugh did recently write uh, his displeasure of the fact that cases have uh, Second Amendment uh, re relevant cases have been not taken up, and he stated that he hoped that the justices would vote to take up a new case soon. So I hope his vigor over uh, his his desire to have a Second Amendment case obviously will mean that he is in favor of the Second Amendment um, being ruled upon favorably. And then Amy, Amy Coney Barrett again uh, as the newest justice. She's untried, but she has had history, you know, since the, she was dissected quite thoroughly and her past decisions mm -hmm. were dissected quite thoroughly. Um, she has, when she was in the Seventh Circuit, she uh, wrote about the historical right to bear arms. And then, of course, since she was, um, you know, under Scalia, and Scalia was famously wrote the majority on the, the 2008 Heller case. So we'll see what happens. However, you know, just because you are conservative doesn't mean that you really believe fully. I mean, I think Scalia, even in the Heller case, kind of left it. Yeah, he said uh, weapons that are in common use. Yes, he so, kind of left it in, you know, he's not a, a, he was not an absolutist. Yeah. So yeah, he, I don't know if anybody except for Clarence Thomas is an absolutist on this court. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah. And, you know, absolutism can mean a few different things, too. Like, uh, I know a lot of people talk about nuclear weapons and things like that. I want a tank. God, yeah. gosh darn it. No, I'm just well, kidding. No, I don't. Well, I, I actually I have I think, like, uh, chemical weapons and biological weapons and nuclear weapons are on a different level because they create kind of indiscriminate damage that you can't control. So I, I'm only bringing this up because I've seen this debate a lot of times, and a lot of people give, like, really weird answers, like, well, we should be able to have everything. And it's like, well... uh. I agree, but I think that there are weapons of mass destruction do go in a different category just because, again, if if you're responsible for where your rounds go, at least you kind of have some control over where your rounds go, even if they overpenetrate because it's a directional thing. If you drop a nuke, the fallout is going to go wherever the wind goes. So I think that that's a, uh, that's a, that's a crazy, <laughs> that's a little bit of a difference. But yeah, uh, so when you talk about absolutism, that's what I that's what I think it means there. Pretty much everything short of 
WMDs. I don't know if Scalia actually believed in concealed carry. He wrote the majority of the 19th century courts um, to consider the question held that prohibitions on carrying concealed weapons were lawful under the Second Amendment or state analogs. Yes, that's true. But I mean, open carry was also, I think, back in the day was a little bit less. Concealed carry back in the day, I think they would probably make the argument and somebody can correct me. AG Webb's good to see you in the chat. Um, uh, I think somebody, and maybe even G Webb's would know this, actually, he knows a lot more about the history of, of firearms than we do. That I think a lot of the reasoning would be that concealing a weapon back in, you know, historically would be that you're trying to be duplicitous, that you want to use it to, like, attack somebody or murder somebody, rather than today it's more seen as you probably just don't want to intimidate people. So back in the day, you would show your weapon. Everybody would have their weapon out in the open. That's not a big deal. It was a commonplace thing. So if you were trying to hide it, that means that you're trying to do something dirty. Like you don't want somebody to see that gun because you're probably going to do something bad with it. Whereas the culture is kind of flipped nowadays where it's like you want to conceal your gun because it's more polite to scare people. I think that that could be the reason of why it was considered constitutional back in the day. Now, that's why I said where Scalia said, again, common use. So we would argue that the NFA is unconstitutional and it's kind of created a situation where full, fully automatic weapons, uh, select fire weapons, uh, short barrel rifles, uh, you know, suppressors are not in common use, but that's because they're highly regulated. So it's almost like, well, they're not in common use because the government created a circumstance in which they're not. So that's, I almost hate, I hate that term too, because I feel like they could just regulate things and then say it's not in common use anymore. And then yeah, it's almost, not in common use because I don't want to their, spend $200 every time I buy a suppressor. Yeah. Ridiculous. So I, I almost feel like they could use that as like a self-fulfilling prophecy in the future if they really want to. But in the short term, it means that you can't ban quote unquote assault weapons, any AR-15s, AKs, or anything like that, because especially in the case of the AR-15, that's an extremely common weapon, especially as far as semi-automatic rifles are concerned. Besides maybe the Ruger 1022, uh, AR-15 is probably the most second, the second most common place. It might be the most common place rifle. Uh, a definitely center fire rifle in the United States, I would say. So it's common use. It would also be the weapon of the militia. There's no, there's no question that that's the gun that, you know, if we had to rally uh, and create a militia nowadays ourselves, that would be the go-to weapon because that's going to have the most common ammo. It is uh, obviously compatible with Stanag, so you could work with the National Guard and the military. With parts compatibility, it would be semi-automatic, but it wouldn't be a big deal because, you know, it would still work uh, in, for militia service. So... There's really no way around it. So right now, that definition helps us, but I still don't like it enough. I don't think it's broad enough. And I think a lot of people would probably agree with that. But, no, uh, I have a question that yes. I, I was just thinking of when I, when I realized that this is not going to be happening for a while. Um, October is a really long way from now. Yeah. How possible is it, since the left has been talking about packing the courts, how possible is it for that to happen before this October case? Uh, well, it kind of depends. Things are really interesting right now because uh, Joe Manchin just said that he's not going to change, you know, go with the, the voter uh, law changes. 
So I think that he's getting a lot of pressure from West Virginians, and he's always been very moderate. He's not, he's not a progressive, but he's also not like not a reliable you know, constitutionalist guy. He's... So since he's already shown some boldness here, if he can withstand the attacks that are going to come is with that, then it's possible he won't overturn the filibuster. He won't vote against that. So they won't be able to push any of the gun control before that. And maybe now, because they know that, remember most of those laws, didn't they say it would take 270 days for them to come into effect? That would put us past October anyway. So it's possible that either A, they'll pass it and it'll be moot because some of these regulations may, you know, depending on how the Supreme Court rules, if they give a very broad, positive answer those laws might be decimated uh or they might not push hard enough because now they know the supreme court has this case and anything they try to do might be decimated might get decimated by that so i don't know this might result in a change of tactics by the anti-gunners in the left but it remains to be seen i don't remember what happened the last time i don't think that we had i don't think that they ever had the the power that they had to try to push this combined with the media and also having the circumstances of the way that politics are today. Obviously, Heller was an unprecedented case when it occurred, but I don't think that the anti-gun uh, establishment and the far left was as powerful in 2008 as they are now. Well, actually, I can guarantee you that they were not, at least when it comes to media prominence. I would say that the Second Amendment movement is also much more powerful. And uh, G-Web says that it's 151 days until October, so it doesn't even matter. If they were to pass the uh, the bills that they had, so HR 8, 1446, they are 270 days. I don't remember if some of the other ones that we looked at also had similar stipulations. I think they do. I think the shortest might be like six months. So there's really no way that they could get them in time before this case. So this case is basically going to be it. So uh, it's it's for all the marbles as far as uh, as far as that's concerned. Uh, the way that it could go. So we'll see. It could change all those tactics. You might see those things um, go on the wayside. But if there is another, you know, uh, terrible, you know, mur uh, horrible murder or massacre or riots or something they can find to exploit gun control, then they will obviously push it. But if nothing occurs that they can, you know, pull up, uh, pull smoke out of and, and throw in the media's eye, then it'll be a little bit more difficult for them, especially since. They've tried for the last two months. They still haven't been able to do it. Mansion is showing some stones. I think there's a good shot that they won't be. Able to. Pretty sad that I'm basically counting on the left. Yeah, well, the that's, moderates of the left to keep keep this country together. Well, that's the way that it is because you know whether they're whether they're Democrats or not. If the the oath that they swore to the Constitution meant anything, then they would be doing the right thing. So we're relying on politicians to do their jobs, essentially. That's what we're relying on. But, you know, they, they often never do that. I just want to go to the chat real quick. Hey, Gun Snobs, and hey, G-Webs. Uh, also, hey, Manny from Fixed to New York Podcast. Hello. Wanted to see, uh, he said, and he's obviously in New York. Uh, he's gonna got, he got invited to the Blexit event tomorrow. He's going to make sure they're full two ways, zero compromise. Exactly, that goes, I don't, I don't know if you watched our uh, last episode. I've been trying to get involved with local politics too, yep. especially since South Florida. Uh, I know you're libertarian, but 
um, we got to push on all sides because just because someone says they're for something doesn't mean they really are truly mm -hmm. for that way. So, I mean, South Florida is a really good example. We have a lot of Republicans down here. Young Hispanic Republicans are really big down here. So, but obviously when we saw HR8, who were the three yep. uh, Republicans three who folded? Republicans. It was all Florida Republicans, two of them Hispanic. So that's why it's really important to um, get involved in your local events uh, and talk to your people, you know, involved in local politics, involved with, you know, your local politicians and make sure they understand the Second Amendment and what it really means and what we really want. So kudos to you, Manny, and keep getting the word out about, you know, the 2A in New York. Yeah, behind enemy lines is, is extremely important, especially this is a New York case. So we need to we need to start changing. I'm the super excited for New York, by the way. Yeah. Yes, everybody doesn't. I haven't said it already. I'm former New Yorker. I'm really mm. really excited about this case and what it can mean for my home state. Yep. So and, and for everybody, I mean, oh, this, yeah. This could uh, this could help all of the uh, obviously the most uh, the most oppressed two uh, a the two a oppressed states in the union and it'll really help us all out uh there's no doubt that the anti-gunners will always keep pushing even if they get this even if we get this victory but at least this will open things up so we can start changing the culture and start putting it out there and saying you know the the more that we have on our um you know uh, behind our back the better that we can do you know we need that momentum going forward and we can keep changing the narrative especially since again the culture is against us. The media is against us, despite the fact that, you know, it seems like every movie is an action movie and every video game is a shooter nowadays. But guns are evil, even though they're promoted everywhere and everybody uses them. So in every shooter, you know, there are very few games where you play as the villain. You're always the good guy. And what do you use in most games to stop the bad guys? Use guns. That's the way it is. What games are competitive? We consider competition good. Well, at least we used to. But uh, esports are pretty big. All the top games are pretty much shooters, you know. So uh, again, with our media, the good guys. Whether it's you know, police are falling out of vogue, but they always used to be the good guys. In a lot of films, they used guns all the time, you know. Whether it's a secret agent, whether it's John Wick, uh, or anybody else. That's, I'm actually surprised that's the tool that there's been so much anti-gun rhetoric when John Wick is like the biggest film of the freaking decade. I know. It's yeah. ridiculous. I'm like, people just, they, I don't understand that. How well, can they pretend to be such fear, have such fear of guns when they're like rooting for John Wick? Everybody does. Yep. It's ridiculous. It's like. Yep. And then the very same celebrities that talk all the time. Or they go home and then they play Halo. Or yeah. they go home and they play Apex or whatever the kids are playing now, Fortnite. It's yep. like, how can you possibly, like, that's hypocrisy. Yep. Anyway, uh, I also wanted to say, who said it in the chat? Doo -doo 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 -doo. I don't know what's going on with G-Webs and his chocolate. G-Webs, if you need help eating chocolate, let me know. I love chocolate. I don't know. <laughs> I know that's something with Mr. Knives, but you can't talk chocolate around a woman without her wanting some of that. Um, <laughs> 42 Chill says, says, tell them you will primary them all and throw them out. Their biggest fear. I'm not just talking politicians, but yes, tell your politicians if they're being soft on the 2A that you will primary them and uh, get people like, um, oh my God, what's that name? Really pretty Carolina Lauf? Uh, Catalina Lauf. Catalina Lauf. I think she's pretty good on the two-way. Yeah, she said she was good on the two-way. We'll see how she is. What yeah. state is she in? Uh, 
gosh, I want to say that she's somewhere up north. Oh, yeah, man, I agree. I'm gonna forget. We just saw her. Anyway, we need people, young, vibrant politicians coming in who are actually for the Constitution and for freedom. Mm -hmm. Fix for and, New York. Oh, Illinois. Illinois. I was going to say, I feel like an I state. Yeah, I was like near Chicago. Fix for say. New York podcast says, Stacey Push Pushman for mayor of New York City, 100%. Uh, I, would, I would say anybody but what we have right now. So, yes, go for that. Uh, and by the way, I was also going to say it's not just the politicians. Um, I sidetracked myself. You just saw it. <laughs> it's also talking to the people. Um, I can't tell you how many times I run into conservative people. Like I was just, I, uh, one of my, my good friends introduced me to his sister. And she was like, she introduced herself. And she goes, oh my God, my brother tells me that you're super conservative. And I'm like, yeah. And then she, she thought that meant let's talk about how awesome Trump is. And I'm like, no, <laughs> no, that's not what that means. And then, I mean, it was really cool. She had these great pics. She made these really cute wigs for dog, for mm -hmm. dogs that look like Trump wigs. And I, I have this little fascination with Trump wigs on animals. It's a long story. <laughs> it's a long story. But anyway, oh, um, so then I was just like, okay, let's get past the Trump stuff and talk politics. And then I asked her how she felt about guns. And she's like, I have one. But then like the more I talked to her about it, like, the more I realize that every common person who's not a 2A person doesn't really understand. Like, it's a, it always ends up in a 2A but, but conversation. And I'm like, why? Why is this so hard to find people who don't, who get it? And I mean, again, I've always said I was once a 2A but person. But that's why it's really important to not just talk to your politicians and tell them you're going to primary them. You also have to talk to the people who, who think they're there. Uh, and, and make sure they fully understand the extent of what they need to fully understand with the Second mm -hmm. Amendment. Don't well, be a two-way butt person is my point. It, it, Help it, them see that light. Yeah, and a lot of it is a complacency issue too because if we're being honest and we use, sometimes we're victims of our own success. And that means, you know, life has gotten very good in this country before 2020 and obviously everything that happened last year, you know, violent crimes, murders, and all that stuff were on a huge downward trend. So because of that, a lot of people, even conservatives that may have in the past, uh, you know, we had a lot of conservatives that were urban, you know, urban or suburban people like us. You know, that's what I've always lived in, like suburbs and urban areas my entire life. Not really rural areas, been close to it, but not, you know, never really lived there. Well, besides like Puerto Rico, but things are different there. Um, well, they were now now we have more expanded gun rights. But so when you live in safety, you don't see crime and things like that. And you don't have guns, you're like, well, I, I don't need it because I don't even run into any problems. So they don't defend rights. You don't defend the rights that you don't use a lot of times. And I think that that's what happened. We were victims of our own success. Society was very good. We were all very comfortable, um, you know, and a lot of times guns became more of a recreational thing. So competitive shooting. Uh, in the early 2000s, we had a lot of great TV shows uh, with guns. You know, we had like Tales of the Gun. We had Top Shot. We had... A lot of reality shows that with characters that ended up being shady, but they were cool to watch with different gun manufacturers and things like that. So the culture was there. And it was very recreational, but it wasn't necessarily always about the Second Amendment. And it's because we took it for granted for a long time, even on our own side. I was one of those gun owners. I was a gun owner that I was into guns recreationally. I believed in it and had one to defend my family, but 
I realistically didn't think that I was ever going to need to use it that way. And most of us never will need to, hopefully. Uh, and that's the realistic uh, thing. So it's very easy to be like, well, probably not going to use it. I don't really need it that much. I don't go out shooting for fun. So that's what happens. And now I think we're going to start seeing things like that change because I think the whether people like it or not, the anti-police movement is going to come to a head. And this time it's coming to a head from both sides politically. Obviously not as much from the right, but it is coming from the right because a lot of people on the right for the first time got to see police abusing their authority and oppressing their rights in a lot of these lockdowns. So you saw police officers basically, you know, arresting people for doing nothing but being outside without a mask or not social distancing or absurd things like that. And a lot of people finally saw like, wow, these police officers really don't care about the constitution. Uh, why are we backing them up? You know, so rural police sheriffs, you're not going to see that as much because you have closer uh, interactions with them. They were in areas where those things didn't happen. You know, a lot of them either said that they weren't going to do that. They didn't do that. But big city police, suburban police in a lot of areas, they enforce those laws and they showed their true colors. And you, the, you also saw the disparity where you would see groups go out and basically protest left and right. Both groups would get arrested for whatever reason. But, you know, essentially one group would be backing the blue conservatives and they'd still get arrested by the police. And meanwhile, in a lot of those cities, the DAs would not press charges against left wing protesters or rioters. And people that were on the right would get hosed if they, you know, for any little thing. So people are starting to see the disparity. They're starting to see the police officers will just follow orders for the most part. And that is going to now force everyone to realize that they have to take matters into their own hands when it comes to their self-defense. And we saw what also happened in Ohio with, um, you know, with what happened with the, the shooting there with the police officer that shot, uh, what was her name? Micaiah Bryan, I think. Um, that was trying to stab that other that other woman. He intervened, and a lot of people were like, "Well, you know, they shouldn't have intervened at all." It's like, well, if you were, if police aren't going to intervene in violent situations, and people are going to take matters into their own hands, and they're going to start wising up, and that maybe that's what needs to happen. You know, maybe police need to start quitting and 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 create that situation, and you know, prove whether they're necessary or not. I think that people. Well, I think a lot of people are going to regret that decision. Um, I think a lot of us that are going to be prepared, we're still not going to like it either. You know, just because we have firearms doesn't mean that I want to have to. I hope I push, never have yeah. to discharge I, I don't my firearm. Well, I, well, I, I mean, I also don't want to push back chaos. Yes, like just because against someone, you know, it's like, well, now we get this stuff and now there could be there could possibly be chaos as well. Because in certain areas, there will definitely be criminal organizations and elements that take advantage of that situation. Um, there will be other crimes that probably go unresolved that you wouldn't be able to do yourself. So it is easy to defend yourself. It, well, it isn't easy, but I should say you might think it's easy when you can sit at home with your stockpile and all your good stuff and deter people from breaking into your home. That's great. What happens when you're not in your home? What if somebody breaks in, steals your guns or steals your stuff? Or uh, what if you're out and something happens to you? Or what if you're... Uh, one of your children gets kidnapped. You, you may have to go to vigilantism now. So there is a place for some sort of law enforcement. I, I, I would say peacekeepers. I've, I've said this many times before. I think you do have to have an, arbitra an arbitrator, some sort of 
public defender, not to call it like a lawyer, uh, out there to kind of keep people from being savage towards one another. But as far as enforcing stupid laws, writing parking tickets, things like that, I think that's unnecessary. Um, and uh, that's completely unnecessary. And people also need to be realistic. So you, we may have weapons. That doesn't mean you want to fall into chaos with no police. But at the same time, hey, police are are enforcing a lot of unconstitutional laws. So there need to be reforms to policing. And in many cases... Things that police do nowadays, those roles need to be taken away. And in some places that they don't want the police, they need to learn. They need to learn. That's it. They need to learn. So people need to learn what it's like if they don't want defense and they want to vote simultaneously for politicians that will get rid of police and their gun rights, which is really absurd. That makes no sense to me. So I can understand that a lot of these people are statists, you know, supposedly, right? Joe, like, they believe in the left, they vote for the left, the left believes in consolidating and increasing government power, so I don't understand why they would be against law enforcement, or why they aren't against the government. It almost makes no sense how... It's contradictory. Yeah, it's a contradictory thought point, because they should be super pro-police and pro-police state, because the police are going to enforce things that the government does, and you guys want more government power, right? Somebody's going to enforce that, so if you take that away, then the government has no power, and all of us that are like, well, we're not going to pay our taxes. We're not going to do anything like that. Why would we? There's not going to be any law enforcement that's going to stop us from doing all the things that we feel. Are I do want to correct you. I oh, feel like it. the people who are anti-gun, or at least the politicians who are pushing anti, sorry, anti-gun, I'm sorry. Yeah. Pro-gun? No, no, no. Oh. Uh, anti-police. They're being disingenuous. Of course they are. Yes. Because they're saying they're, they're anti-police, but what they really want to do is pro Federal police, which is not the same thing as anti-police. They want to sure. give the federal government more power. They yeah. want to make a federal police force. But here's what people on the street think is they're just thinking no police. Yes. That's not what they're going for. They're yes. not actually going to set up social workers to come and talk people's problems out. First of, of all, course. what social worker do you know? Because I have some friends who are social workers. Mm -hmm. What social worker do you know is going to show up to sign up for that job. Paramedics won't even go to a scene until it's secure. Mm -hmm. Okay? So they will literally let someone bleed out because it's not, it's not secure yet. That, yeah. is, that is the way things are done. Okay? So if you're telling me that a paramedic won't go help someone until, like, the active shooter situation is, is, is done, which, I mean, I understand. That's not their job. Their job is to... They're not going to put their life in risk. You know what I'm saying? To go save somebody when there's still an active shooter somewhere or there's a, a threat. Yeah. But I understand that. I'm not, I'm not bashing them. But what makes you think that if a paramedic won't go to save someone who's bleeding out on the sidewalk because there's an active shooter situation, what makes you think that a social worker is going to willingly walk into an active shooter situation mm -hmm. to talk things out? Or a violent crime situation or a domestic violence situation. They're going to get, they're going to become the next victim. Mm-hmm. No social worker that I know is going to sign up for that. That is just, that is some BS that they have come up with as a solution mm -hmm. that's not realistic. What the real situation is, is they're going for a federal police to give more power mm -hmm. to the federal government. And that is the truth of the matter. Yep. Why it seems contradictory is because they're being disingenuous about the end goal.
Yep, it, 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 that's definitely one of the things. I personally think that they'll never have the manpower for a fellow per, federal police force. And once they start going down that path, it will be obvious. But I, I think that the, I, I think the purpose is to cause chaos and, and hate and discontent between the masses because ultimately the elites know that they will always have protection. So that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to turn us against each other. I do think that the trend of diminishing law enforcement is, that's, I think it's just going to happen. It's inevitable. And there will be, uh, there will be consequences for it uh, because there's no easy way now. There, there really is no easy way. We've reached a point now where we don't have, there's, there isn't the political will on either side, if we're being honest, to push the Second Amendment as a viable way to as the platform of this is it you can defend yourself you have the right to do so uh, you can own the firearms that you need in order to defend yourself the armor whatever implements you need to protect yourself and your family you need that neither side is pushing that one side is pushing against that completely so it's going to push us in a situation now where people in these cities or areas that vote with no law enforcement and vote for politicians that are anti-gun just have to get what they deserve they have to get what they want we have to give them what they need because we don't have enough of an apparatus now politically to teach everybody how to be responsible, how to try to, you know, de-escalate situations, how to find different ways to solve their issues. So now they are going to get the stick. They have to basically go from zero to nothing, to zero to a hundred. Now there is no transition period. They've got to learn. So that's how, that's how it's got to be. And if things work out, they work out. And if people suffer, they suffer. And that's it. Now, basically, they have to find out for themselves. I think that's going to be the only So, What do you think, Joan? <laughs> I think that we forgot to say Ooh, the Lock and Loaded Latinos podcast, yes. forgot our name, though. Oh, my. Uh, it's part of the Self-Defense Radio Network, where you can... Get all of your pro-freedom podcasts in one place. Just go to sdrn.us where you can find podcasts such as the Polite Society Podcast, Eye on the Target Radio, Guns Guide to Liberals, Armed Citizen Podcast, Unload and Show Clear, and uh, Lex Luthor Radio, also called Armed, Armed, Luther. <laughs> Armed Lutheran Radio. So go to sdrn.us for more. All right. Thank you very much. And also, don't forget to hit the like, thumbs up button to help our algorithm. And uh, share, subscribe, all that. That's your, just your half-hour reminder to do all those things. All right. That's it. What are we moving on to next now? We're going to talk about the Ninth Circuit Court? Sure. Or what is, uh, does the chat have anything on the subject while we're still on there? Um, I went back a little bit. Kathleen Music Lover, hey, Kat, says, I have issues with its people who invest on all their gun bling talking about imaginary gunfight scenarios. To me, it is ridiculous the odds of someone doing that are so small as to be non-existent. Um, I'm not allowed to have any of the chocolate, apparently. <laughs> Why is that? I don't know. That's something between Mr. Knives and G-Webs, but apparently it's all Mr. Knives. Uh, G-Web's response to Kathleen, is a cowbot battle realistic? What is a cowbot battle? Cowboy. Oh, cowboy. Okay. Is a cowboy battle realistic? I know lots of folks who spend most of their time practicing that. Um, 
Honestly, I think the only thing that is realistic is doing something like. I mean, Joe's. You've been in realistic and quote unquote. That's I guess, exactly what I was gonna scenarios. say. If you really want to get realistic, um, you just have to do force on force training. That's the only thing that is realistic. Um, yeah. like at as loft, close to realistic as, as you can get, yeah. You know, something like going waft, um, or going to whatever place will have force on force. That doesn't just mean hand to hand. That means like having, you know, simunitions and because it is completely different from standing in the range and shooting down range at a target um adrenaline you know you learn so much about yourself in that situation so i always encourage anybody who has the opportunity to do that um or at least plan to do that at some point it is a good investment i've only done it once and um <laughs> i can tell you i learned invaluable lessons and i hope to be able to do something like that again to kind of see how i've progressed and i i learned what i need to progress on and a lot of it is mental yep um but if you ever do that, I highly recommend you wear thick clothing because I have a scar on my leg from one of the shots. So if you're a girl and you care about those things, wear some thick pants. Don't wear leggings. Mm -hmm. anyway. but, but it's also good because it teaches you pain so you don't want to make those mistakes. So you learn through pain. Yeah, so. <laughs> no, I think I, I don't need the extra pain. I'm good. I'm good. But for some people, it's good. It makes them think and be like, yeah, I really don't want to get shot. Like, if this hurts. Oh, yeah, no, no, no. This no. is non lethal or anything like that. Oh, and you like don't that, even like, like that. Those little things actually really hurt, but you don't realize how much. Like, I totally believe the whole, like, you get shot and you, you're not really realized that you're shot because I didn't realize I was shot in multiple places with munitions mm -hmm. until, and it burns, trust me. Broke the skin and everything. Because your adrenaline just um, numbs you're and just, you go in the zone. You are just in the zone and yes so yes that's the only that's the only thing kathleen i uh i actually agree with you a lot of people spend like a sh crap ton of money doing all kinds of like really gucci stuff and it's like really i mean nothing i'm not knocking like night vision and all that because it's got its place but but if you're I spending money like, on night vision against yes not getting trained if i if i had my two cents on it i think a night vision uh course or night vision equipment is not as valuable to your outcome as force on force training. That's just my two cents on mm -hmm. it. What I want, if someone was saying, hey, would you like some night vision goggles? I'd be like, sure. Mm -hmm. But I'd rather, like if I was given one or the other, I would, I would do force on force again. And, and you have to realistically train based on percentages. Yes. So are you always going to be walking around in a scenario where you can grab your MVGs and put them on? Absolutely not. And let's be honest, Unless you work nights all the time, you're going to be asleep during most of the time that you would use your MVGs. So chances are most of the time you're out doing stuff during the day. That's probably when you're going to use your gun. So, and that's your highest yeah, like, so you're chance probably of actually encountering to, someone like You me. need to focus on what you're going to use the most. So if you work on land that you can walk around with a rifle slung on your back the entire time, maybe you get rifle training more than anything else. If you're a suburban or urban person, you should be focusing should on handguns. You should be hand focused on handguns and your concealed carry weapon and get extra training in that, not your AR-15 or all your plate carrier gear and all that stuff that you use to have, you know, do cool training on the weekends because realistically... And always remember to train with uh, the gun that you carry as well. I yeah. carry a 380, and that is not the gun that I use for all my training, though. I, I usually train with my CZ because it's, you know, much more comfortable. But I do put in the training as much as it hurts now with... 380 being the cost that it is but i do occasionally train with my 380 because that is the gun that you're going to be carrying yep train with your carry gun important yep 
Exactly. Although for me, I find that that's just the type of person I am. I don't know if it's everybody. Rolando has noticed this too. It's like I've become so comfortable with handguns that I can pick up, like I, it just translates to other handguns. I feel very comfortable mm-hmm. with uh Yeah, it's to the point where even in video games, Johanna will always gravitate towards handguns and be <laughs> like, it's a video game, Joe. You can use rifles. They're more powerful. I, I'm sorry. my Okay, he's referring. We talked about this last week. My Fallout character, by the way. I am going to be working on that. I talked about it last week because I finally got all my perks up for gun modifications in my character. I'm going to be making, hopefully, a video. I should have no excuse. By the way, guys, I was laid off from my job. Oh, yeah. yeah. I didn't know if you wanted to bring that up or not. I got laid off on Friday. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows I've been dealing with some crap at work. But don't worry. Your girl has another job lined up that's even better. So anyway, but the point is I have some time on my hands until my new position starts. Mm-hmm. So I will try. I have a lot of things on my to-do list. Uh, I will try to make a video for Fallout. But I don't want to spend my whole extra time. I have a lot of things. I've already had a wonderful weekend where I've been doing a lot of running and yoga so if you notice a nice golden tan that's because i've actually for the first time in a long time had time to spend i have i usually avoid the sun like the plague i'm very pale for a hispanic person my mm-hmm. natural color is is i'm a vampire well, you state on purpose no i do though because i have rosacea so oh, i yeah. avoid the sun i actively avoid the sun so um i've been actually exposed to the elements in my going outdoors doing outdoor yoga and outdoor running um it's been good it's been great i feel great so I'm turning a negative into a positive, just in go. case you were wondering. There you go. So yeah. All right. Uh, let's go on to, uh, but yeah. So there you go. Joe gravitates towards pistols and handguns. So in, in everything, which I always think is funny, but. I, my, my 10 millimeter suppressed, uh, what do I have? Large capacity, quick mags, quick, quick. You got eject. like, yeah, quick, quick, quick release, eject. quick eject 24 round magazines. Um, is amazing. So I've modded, modded my suppress and also it's a special gun because it gives me plus 20, no, plus 50 damage resistance on my character. My handgun is just as powerful as his rifle. So I don't want to hear the any, game in, in the, the game, game in the game. So I don't no, want to hear any crap from you about but... my handguns and the, <laughs> my handgun choices in my games. Oh man. But, uh, Yes. Uh, 2A Dave Ramirez says, if you have the means to Gucci gun, more power to you. I'll never tell anyone. Uh, yeah, I, I completely, uh, I completely agree uh, with that. Uh, I guess we're more saying the people that make the choice of um, spending money to like deck out their guns instead of buying ammo or training. So that's, I would say that's better. So say two people buy a Glock 19. One of them decides to get like arm slide cuts and all this stuff. Uh, trigger upgrades and all those things. And then next thing you know, they're down a thousand bucks. Are they going to be better off than the person that took that $500 difference and spent it on going to, you know, really good training classes or going out to the range more often. So if you can do it all, then do it all. But if you can only do one thing, uh, get training. That's what I would say uh, over decking out your stuff. Um, and obviously nowadays get ammo too, because uh, what's the point of having like a really nice Gucci gun if you can't even shoot anything with it? <laughs> and nowadays, you know, buying ammo, you know, what is it? A thousand rounds is typically the norm. I, I would say for most people that are enthusiasts, your shipments are going to be at like a thousand rounds every time. 
So these days, buying a thousand rounds is like buying a brand new gun each time. So, you know, uh, focus, uh, figure out what your priorities are. If you have limited resources, training should be uh, one of those things. And nowadays it is more difficult. So think about that even further. Do you need that um, red dot sight if you've got one that works well? Do you need to buy, do you need to build another rifle if you already have a few? Um, and especially niche stuff. So do you need to build the niche gun? Do you need to build the Gucci gun? If you have multiple of the same gun or guns in multiple calibers, do you need to buy another one uh, right now or can you save and buy the ammo and, get, and take some training classes instead with the ammo that you've got? Um, so that's, that's personally what I would do and what we advocate for. Um, you know, I, I haven't really made any mods to, the, to my firearms at all lately, besides unless I like print something from the printer to make something more convenient, uh, like printing out some M-Lock rails or something like that. But as far as like major modifications, I can't say we've done anything because all that money, oh, excuse me. Oh, excuse me there. Uh, all that money goes to uh, ammo and training pretty much. Speaking of which, uh, next month, or, or at the end of this month already, uh, we're going to be going to Katie's, Kevin Dixie's Train and Learn event out in, uh, outside of St. Louis, Missouri. So that should be awesome. We will be, uh, we'll try to broadcast from there. So that, that weekend, we won't have a show at our normal time because either we'll be, tra well, we won't be traveling, but I'm sure that we'll be hanging out with everybody there. So if we've got internet reception, we already spoke with KD. We'll try to do the podcast there. We'll definitely. Well, Katie said footage. it when he, KD said it when he was on our show when he was a guest. Yeah. Um, that we will be the official podcast of the Train and Learn. And yeah. He fully expects us. I mean, I guess we'll probably have if he's got internet. I mean, it'll be Sunday night, so I made sure that our hotel has good internet. Mm -hmm. Um. As long as we're not out and about hanging out with people. Well, then maybe they can be part of like That's when true. when when I was at Ambassador Academy. Stephanie, I'm so sorry, I forgot her last name. Stephanie has a podcast. It's Stephanie who was at Ambassador Academy. Hey, Stephanie. Um, that you're not watching, but it's okay. Um, she had a show. Mike was on, and Laura from from New York was on. Mm -hmm. So she had a podcast because it, it fell on the day that she, like she does a Monday night. So Monday night she had her podcast from her house, like at, at cool. Ambassador Academy. So we could do the same thing. People were down, like to come and just you know, it's not like it's all night. We could have dinner and then come do the show you know we'll see there you go well yeah we'll see how it works out but in any case we'll have footage there or we might do a show not at sunday night we will see i so. i'm gonna i'm going to try for sunday night and then bring actual people to be like next to us on camera which will be interesting mm -hmm. if we could somehow get like 400 and, uh, or 670 subs before then we can live stream with, from our cell phones so how many do we need you need a thousand. oh come on i thought you meant like another like 50 no but no, just no. in case you need a thousand subs to live stream from your cell phone just in case everybody who's watching try to get a friend everybody's homework assignment get one friend to subscribe so maybe we'll be able to get closer to our ability to stream from far away yeah that'd be cool right mm -hmm. Yeah, because there's a lot of events that we would love to stream from, but without being able to do mobile streaming, it's it's pretty difficult. And, you know, we've tried the IG thing before. Our show's on YouTube. That's I can't. I'm sorry. I don't like social media. Once again, if anybody follows me on social media, I have literally not been on IG in like two weeks because of all my personal drama with work that I knew was going on. So, uh, yes, and I'm still not on IG until I feel like 
things are more settled. So that's true. You can use the third party program. So thank yes, you, Kingpin. We can is try eating, that. She's munching and crunching for those of you that can hear it in the background. So uh, she is making an appearance right there. Let's let's make Joe's screen full screen so people can see the cat. That's that's Ritsu. So she's a spoiled cat. She completely dominates me. Uh, but she's a good, uh, good little cat. She loves guns. Anytime I bring them out and clean them, she climbs in all the cases, and she loves to sleep on top of uh, rifles. She By the way, law, uh, Ritsu is Japanese, not the cat, the name. She's actually Puerto Rican. Yeah. Um, true story, we adopted her from Puerto Rico. Yeah, my mom rescued her from some strays that were... Um, a uh, cat had a litter. Reading. Yeah, I had a litter outside of my grandmother's house, and my mom was there in the summer and she was like hey she's got some cats you want one i was like yep like take your pick i was like i want the girl she's a calico took her in uh, and stuck with her ever since so she's a little uh she's more of a creature than a cat sometimes she's i call her a cat-like creature because sometimes she does not look like a cat what so that was my light that dropped there for a second we're good okay so <laughs> um for everybody coming in may the second be with you and happy every second matters because that is the second of every second month. Of every month. Today so is every second. second matters and may the second be with you. So we've got double. So I think now we're finally ready to talk about the Ninth Circuit Court. And hey, so Bernie. That. We spent our first, uh, our first hour talking about one topic, but that's how important the Supreme Court is. And then random was. things because we have ADD. <laughs> so fix your light and I'll talk about, I'll start us off on the Ninth All Circuit right. Court. I'll switch over to you. So the Ninth Circuit in Hawaii recently uh, voted against some Second Amendment stuff, which we talked about in a previous episode. Well, the Ninth Circuit Court ruled on the whole a case within Hawaii. Yes, that's what I said. Okay. But I didn't, but that, that's what I meant to say. <laughs> so anyway, so Ninth Circuit, uh, actually this time around on Tuesday, the Ninth Circuit decided to be pro-two-gun? Pro-two-gun, listen, pro-gun. Pro-two-a. Um in a rather confusing case about 3D printing. So apparently this case wasn't really necessary. Am I wrong about that, Rolando? Yeah, in a way it was. Um, let me backtrack. Basically it overturned a ban on 3D printed gun blueprints. Um, this had to do with international law versus you know something of our rights. Um, the ITAR regulation. So, and this is a Trump era uh, ban. So, I don't know who was the original, like how the original ban came to be, because in my first article it said Trump ban. Then in my second article, I was reading a Trump era ban. So, I don't know if, if he was directly involved. So, his administration was involved with banning the purchasing or selling the of distribution, of distribution the selling of. Uh, 3D printed gun blueprints internationally. Mm -hmm. So the Ninth Circuit, and it has to do something with the Department of Commerce, which basically who was, the whole point was, who was in charge of this decision or this jurisdiction. Um, so that's pretty much the gist of it. And the reason I say that this is a kind of a moot point is, and I read, this is from Daily Wire, in July 2018, the Trump administration settled a lawsuit with Defense Distributed. Defense Distributed uh, 
would sell blueprints for not only 3D printed guns, but also 80% lowers. Am I wrong about that? Well, no, they, they, they used to, I think they used to produce the guns kind of other uh, they uh, agreed to remove 3D printed gun blueprints from the State Department's list of regulated munitions. Defense Distributed released the specs online the following month, notably making any efforts to block the dissemination of the files futile. So I, it's an important decision because it essentially won't allow the government to regulate 3D, uh, 3D gun blueprints in the future. So that's why, even though it may be moot, so it's moot because Defense Distributed basically preemptively release the blueprints online so now they're like but that was specifically just defense to distribute it now it's like but now yes now no the one precedent can be... has essentially been set that yes that you know you can't use itar regulation pre-print gun blueprints are not going to be treated like magazines or actual components or fire or suppressors or anything like that that can't be shipped overseas so i'm sure for those of you that don't know I'm sure that if you've made purchases of gun accessories, magazines, anything online, a lot of uh, distributors and websites will have a disclaimer that says cannot ship internationally or international trade restrictions, uh, you know, prohibit the shipping of this product overseas, blah, blah, blah. Uh, it, it essentially has to do with those regulations. So I don't know how they would have ever thought that they could have enforced it. Obviously, they could put, slap an injunction on a single distributor or single company like Defense Distributed. But, um, uh, like, Dis Defense Distributed demonstrated, it's pointless because once the files are online, you can't do anything about it. And if we give other people copies, that's it. Like, we've given it away. There's nothing you can do. So we can stop distributing it. It's already out there, so it's, there, it's pointless for you to do anything. But it is a big victory because, again, now the precedent has been set. The Ninth Circuit is notoriously anti-gun. So it's, uh, it's pretty crazy to see, uh, to see them kind of go so schizophrenic. Where on the one hand, with the Hawaii case, they basically said we don't have the right to bear arms in public. To now, well, yes, 3D printed uh, gun blueprints can be distributed. So it's pretty crazy how you can kind of go in that kind of uh, run the gamut there. But again, you can't stop the signal. We, we've had many times 3D printing has been a big topic of discussion on this channel. We had uh, Control Pew on with us. So, you know, you guys have seen it. You know how we feel about that. You've seen some of uh, the best experts in the industry. <laughs> He's being mischievous. Yeah. So, uh, it's, we pretty much, we, we know how that's done. You're gonna have to. Well, oh, you've got to be kidding me! <laughs> what did she steal? <laughs> if it's a bag, she will absolutely steal it. So you guys are getting to see a lot of uh, a lot of fun outtakes here today with the cat. So she literally came in with a bag of masks that Joe has and uh, and dragged them into the. So this cat is also very interesting because she loves bread. So the other day she stole like my, uh, I had a, a packet of bread. Yeah, hot dog buns. And we went back to the car to get the rest of our uh, grocery load. And she'd already come in and pierced the bag and started like trying to chew on some of them. So she is a crazy cat. So yes, awesome, huge win for 3D printing. 
Uh, I encourage everybody to get a 3D printer. You can do a lot of great things. You don't have to do uh, gun stuff with it. It's a useful device. You can here. This was just ball cap again. We talk about um, Fallout 4. Nuka Cola is the brand there. It's like Coca Cola, but everything in the game is about like atomic energy and nuclear weapons. So it's Nuka Cola. Printed this out in like few hours. Painted the uh, the text silver. We're probably gonna paint a little bit about it. Cool stuff. Oh, and then you can obviously print all your other cool stuff right now. I would say that the biggest restriction right now, if you're trying to print, uh, build your own firearms, whether it's 80 percenters or something that you print out, is just getting all the parts. So I'm sure that those of you that build your own 80% uh, Glocks or things like that, it's, it's really hard to find good parts uh, right now. So that's one of the most difficult things. But hey, even if you can't get parts, just start printing things out or go with the FGC-9 that doesn't need any uh, regular gun parts. So you guys know where to go. Go to uh, Control Pew's website and check it out. Yes. I also wanted to say, going back to the Ninth Circuit Court thing that we were yeah. talking about, uh, 22 states led by Washington State sued to prevent the rule changes from taking effect. So I guess they're going to fight it. Of course they will. I think it's really funny that they're obsessed with ghost, these get ghost guns. Um, because I, I forgot who said it, but they were like obsessed over like the serializing of guns and the fact that they don't have any registration or serializing um serializing guns or not has little to do with you know actual crimes happening um i forgot what article was was talking about this but they kind of brought it up fast and furious gun operation those guns uh in case you don't know what it is it was the atf during obama's administration um the AT office, ATF office in Phoenix came up with this brilliant plan in 2009 to have straw purchasers for Mexican drug cartels purchase weapons and cross into Mexico. The whole point was to that the ATF was going to trace these guns back to the to the drug cartels, etc. Except they never actually did, and then all these weapons ended up in really crazy places. One of them. One of the guns from this ATF Fast and Furious event ended up in uh, the Paris attacks. Yep. From uh, 2015. So that was sold illegally. So clearly, serialized numbers doesn't, you know, on guns doesn't actually stop things from happening illegally. This it's, is just, it doesn't, but hey, at least we got to find out that the government screwed up. We did. And but sold guns to terrorists. The whole point is. Yeah. They're like they're acting like ghost guns are gonna make everything like oh my god like criminals are gonna be able to do criminals already do this. Plus they can they a lot of people will just scratch out the serial number of the gun if they're a criminal anyway. Yeah. So and and we've seen that like I said I've used this anecdote before that I was in jury duty for a it was a drug you know it was basically a drug dealer case this person was allegedly selling um selling crack cocaine and when they arrested him he had a Glock twenty six in the house. They took the prints. They couldn't get prints off the Glock. You know, they asked, well, what about the serial number? Does that prove who bought it? And they're like, serial number's useless. And then we're, I was like, so why is the serial number useless? And I was like, I kind of know why it is because the gun's probably stolen anyway. So you might find out what store it was sold from that does nothing. And again, it, it does nothing again because most guns used in crimes are stolen or taken, you know. Yeah, exactly your stolen. point, though. The serial number will get you back to the FFL, but it will not get you back to the who so, who actually bought it. Yes, it, exactly. it only gets us, that's, 
that far until we have a registry, which is what they actually want. Yes. And even then, if your gun is stolen, okay, and there's universal background checks with a universal registry, it'll get back to you. So you'll get in trouble for your gun being stolen if you didn't report it, which, I mean, you should report your gun being stolen. I, I think that's the responsible thing to do, obviously, like anything else. But uh, who's it really hurting? It's not hurting the criminal because the criminal is either going to steal it, they won't go through a background check anyway, or they'll buy it on the black market when that happens. Or, again, they'll have a straw purchaser do it. They'll have, you know, like a, a, a spouse or, you know, a spouse, a girlfriend, boyfriend, a, a brother, sister, buy it for them that has a clean record, and they'll buy the gun for it. And it won't look suspicious if they're not doing it shady. By the way, everyone acts like buying a gun illegally is that hard. I actually know somebody who bought a gun illegally. Just... You know what I'm saying? Like, and they didn't mean to, they didn't mean to do it. They just, they bought a gun from somebody. It's like, they, you know, it was. But that's not even technically illegal. It wasn't, either. it yeah. wasn't the state. Yeah. It, it was in New York. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. In certain states, but. But it was just a, a thing that people like do. Yeah. It's like, it wasn't even like, well, it's too hard to get something legally. So it's like, it's not that hard. People can do it. It's like, yeah. why do you think it's going to like, come on, criminals are going to criminal is what I'm saying. Not that difficult. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, mandatory carry says, do you have an hour to watch a very interesting piece of evidence? Yeah, email us. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Send us a link. Mandatory, you're always welcome to email yeah, us Yeah, we always check your emails. I'm sorry if we don't respond sometimes because you send very, very detailed and thorough stuff, and sometimes I don't have the time to, to really think about it and, and give you a proper answer on certain things. Um, but yeah, if you send it to us, we'll definitely check it out. I read over your uh, your mandatory carry law and bill, you know that, and I responded to it. So we try to do our best. Obviously, lately it's been a little bit crazy with Joe going through a lot of things, but now we'll have more time, and even her new job, she'll have more flexibility too. So we'll both be able to, uh, you know, spend more time uh, answering things like that and producing more content. So shoot us an email that's at uh you can uh shoot us an email at info at lockedloadedlatinos.com you can shoot us dms on ig but ig i get some uh, we get like crazy spam too so sometimes i don't see all the messages on there especially if it's not somebody that we already follow uh so just bear with us there email is usually the best way and we can see somebody something Ready to move on yeah, to the and next then there thing. you go. Kermit Loves Bacon mentions that having your firearm stolen from you is a Class B felony in Connecticut. <laughs> so you can't... Having your gun stolen gets you punished. So... Losing your gun should be punishment enough. Mm-hmm. So... Me not three. So, are we uh, ready to move on to the most shocking bit of information? Oh, yes. This is one that shocked you. I mean, I was literally reading this article. By the way, John Crump, the most interesting man alive. <laughs> he really go, go is. Talk, talk about why you feel that way. Okay, so like and every time I ever talk about, uh, talk with John Crump, um, he just really is like the most interesting man alive. Like he does like, yes, he's an investigative reporter and he like comes out with these like amazing pieces you know talking about like real investigative journalism it's pretty cool because mm -hmm. uh, a lot of people think they're journalists and they're they just write opinion pieces which is not the same thing new york times or they just rewrite what the first source was and write their own story based on what somebody else did yeah but no this john actually comes up with uh real real the real sh stuff 
Mm-hmm. Um, but not just that. It's like every time I have a conversation with him, he literally is, he's that guy who has a million, has had a million lives, it seems like, in their one life. Yeah. And he's he's done so many things. He's even like, he's like a black belt and he's worked with Hollywood. And every time I have a conversation with him, he just comes up with like, just casually talks about something. And I'm just like, I'm sorry, did you just say you did this? And he's just, when I tell you he is the most interesting man alive, I am not kidding. <laughs> the man could write a book. And he has. And he has, yeah. Mm-hmm. But yes, uh, I'm, I'm a big fan of John Crump. Anyway, so John Crump writes for Ammoland, right? And he has an article that says, Proof FBI's Nick's firearms background check is gathering our private info for Interpol. Get ready, if you haven't read this article, to have your mind blown. Oh. So basically what ha- happened was uh, GOA, because he's part of GOA as well, uh, got the FBI to give them a redacted... Um, copy of the handbook for nix am i wrong about that uh, i think you're correct yes yeah, so he yes he got the uh fbi's national instant criminal background check system user manual because so, apparently there's some act or law that says uh, you can request certain information from the fdi it's the uh freedom of information act mm-hmm. the goa request, yeah. put in a cl- uh put in a request using the freedom for information Act, and said i'd like to get a copy of the uh Nick's handbook, please. And they said, sure, no problem. And then they basically sent them a book that was heavily redacted where like half the pages were not visible. So clearly they're hiding something. So then GOA, through its mysterious means that is uh, not uh, said, does manage to get an unredacted original copy of the um, Nick's user manual, which by the way, if you go to this article, is on the bottom of the article for you to read. So if you want to read this manual, go to this article on Ameland and peruse it. Per, peruse. Per, how do I pronounce it? Peruse. Peruse. Sorry, English is not my first language. Peruse um, that manual and you will be heavily shocked by the findings. So first, the big one is um, there's a link with Interpol, when you do a 4473, it runs through certain databases. Uh, the databases are the Interstate Identification Index, the NICS Index, the ICE database, and the National Crime Information Center. Located in the NCIC database is Interpol's foreign fugitive file, the FFF. So basically, if you are a foreign fugitive uh, per Interpol, the U.S. government is running your info through Interpol's foreign fugitive thing to see if you, you know, did something somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Uh, which, by the way, doesn't actually, shouldn't actually be, shouldn't actually matter. Because if I did a crime in England, that might not be a crime here. Why should that affect me getting a handgun here? Which, by the way, it doesn't. Mm-hmm. It doesn't stop them from giving you the handgun. So why the heck are they doing this? Good question. Good question. Uh, so the FBI can use uh, the Interpol's... They can't use the Interpol's uh, system to deny the transfer of a firearm. So the action begs the question of why the FBI would run a gun buyer against part of the NCIC. It raises a red flag for the FBI. That's what it does. Mm-hmm. Um, but they don't stop the transfer. The FBI allows a transfer of the weapon, and then they go investigate. 
the FFL and asks them to hand over your information. Um, and then they give that information to Interpol. It's pretty shady. Extremely shady. Um, let me see what else. So that's shady. There's more shadiness. Again, it, it goes over the fact that certain crimes in other countries are not crimes in the U.S., so this shouldn't be done. I just think the fact that they're essentially providing information to foreign services is, is the big issue here. Mm -hmm. Like, why should they be privy to that information? And how much of it are they giving it away? Are they only telling Interpol if they find somebody that's on their list? Or are they just giving Interpol everything? Or does Interpol have access to a database too? Or, or how is this working? Did it, I, I don't remember if it went that explicit. It didn't. Okay. Um, it also went into the fact that you can, uh, Nick's system can remove some prohibiting offenses, specifically marijuana, because of the decriminalization of marijuana, which that's fine, whatever. Mm -hmm. Then the other shocking moment is um, long gun purchases. So basically, they have a notification program of when you buy a long gun. Wow. So if you go, let's <laughs> say you're a Californian, and then you cross over into Arizona, and you buy a long gun in Arizona, the system notifies your home state of California that you bought a gun, a long gun in Arizona. So now California knows. So it literally rats you out. Yep. And California could technically disqualify your purchase, even though you legally should be able to buy it in Arizona. Yeah. So the, your, your home state can basically say, no, you're not allowed to buy that in the system. That is so crazy. That's pretty much the whole article. Yeah. I'm just mind blown. I don't, I mean, I just, I mean, why are we surprised? I don't know why we're surprised. Well, and then it should surprise us then that Nix is already being used as kind of a universal database. Because we know that the, uh, uh, there's a certain amount of time, I believe it's 30 days or something like that, somebody can correct me, that these, the information has to get purged out of the background check system if the FBI needs it, but I know that they always try to go as long as possible. Um, so they, they will find their loopholes, and there's also no reason to believe that the government, we already know that they do a lot of illegal things and that they infringe on our rights, so there's no reason to believe that they aren't already trying to use this system to a certain extent. The real problem is that it just seems to me that they're more than willing to use the system when it's convenient for them. And I can see them abusing it to try to go against political adversaries since we've already been seeing some interesting things happen this week. Um, I think if you saw, whether you agree with the politics or not, I think Giuliani, Rudy Giuliani's house getting raided by the FBI was very interesting, and I think it shows, I think it was basically political political warfare. So to go after the Trump administration to try to get revenge, and, uh, you know, they couldn't get Trump through impeachment, so they will do anything that they can to try to get him and try to take out Giuliani or anybody that helped uh, President Trump. So I think that if they're willing to do that with such high-level players, uh, prominent people within other communities, they'll be more than happy to do that. But... It's ironic that they are essentially using Nick's with uh, they're using Nick's kind of almost as a universal background check system. They're giving that information away to other organizations, 
yet they seem to can't st- they seem to not be able to stop any of these you know lone wolf attacks or any of these mass murderers that have records with the FBI. So I just think it's pretty interesting. Uh, and by interesting, I, I mean it's total BS and garbage that um, you know they expect us to buy into those things and uh, and to be able to get away with it. I think it's it's total garbage. And, you know, we're going to continue to see things like this. I think that the more that we see that they cannot pass things, well, we already, we we know for a fact. We saw recently what the ATF wants to try to propose. It's going to come out into a comment period. I'm sure that we will stand up to it and we will stop that uh, when it comes out. But we know they will try to do anything they can to do incrementalism. So they might not be able to pass big bills in the House and the Senate. Well, they'll be able to pass anything they want in the House. But big bills in the Senate, but they will push other ways. They'll try to get liability for gun companies. That will be devastating. Absolutely devastating. I actually think that that is the most realistic. Everything else they can do, most things are pipe dreams, getting rid of the Second Amendment, a lot of this other stuff. Not going to happen. It would cause them a lot of problems anyway. But putting liability for for gun companies and ex, or you know anything like that, that would be utterly devastating, because that will cause I think certain small companies to pull out of gun manufacturing altogether, because they won't want to take any chances at all, and the larger companies will probably even they'll get decimated because even the biggest gun company is really nothing in comparison to some of these other manufacturing companies that we see like you know automotive companies. Big tech, they don't make any anywhere near as much money. So I really don't see them, uh, you know, being able to stand up and survive. And that would be devastating because it would uh, obviously, you know, it, it would take away the manufacturing base. So we would have all the guns that we have now. Obviously, people can start 3D printing things, but I could even see accessories manufacturers pulling out because what's to stop them from saying, well... This person used a firearm, not just a firearm made by, like, let's say Smith and Wesson or something like that, but they also used a red dot from, you know, uh, they used an EOTech. So they were more effective in fulfilling their crime because they had an EOTech site. So now EOTech gets a liability as well. So what's to stop them from doing that or going over trigger companies? Oh, that allowed them to increase their fire rate or uh, have better fire control. But they should be sued too. So it can have a cascade effect. So even, you know, 3D printing, things like that, that we feel like can circumvent those things. I just feel like that really can just put a huge damper on our ability to create new firearms um, and make it much more difficult in mass. You'll never be able to stop it completely. We see zip guns. We see all those things everywhere. We have 3D printing. But as far as for creating things in mass, being able to maintain existing firearms and things like that, it would be extremely difficult. And that's something that I could definitely try. What are you checking out over there? Um, someone asked me about the Arizona audit, so I was reading articles on it. Yes, that has to do with the election uh, more with what, with some of the things going on there. So uh, to uh, answer YouTube your question. Like, YouTube doesn't like those topics, so you can look it up. I know that's still ongoing, yeah. but Joe... Uh, my yeah. whole point was going to say it's still ongoing. There yeah. has been no resolution. Yeah, and even then, let's say that... Let's say that you get a result that you want and something was amiss in Arizona. It's not going to change the results of anything. 
So There's it no will no. Well, you can't remember. I I, I kind of had this discussion with you the other day that there is no. There's no constitutional mechanism to go back. Oh, that's right. That's right. To go back and change anything that may have happened. So really, it's just to expose and to make sure they can't do it again and to hope that, you know, that shady business can't go on in the future and that we can have accountability in the future. So. And that's a good question. Uh, uh, mandatory carry. If you start creating zip guns and things like that, will will hardware stores be responsible for that? That's why the liability thing is so absolutely ridiculous because, man, I'm yawning a lot. I apologize. I guess I'm getting a little bit tired tonight. Um, you didn't have the caffeine. I didn't. Yeah, right, I didn't. Uh, it's, uh, you know, they will, uh, that, that, that points out the absurdity because just like you shouldn't have Liability, if somebody tries to use a car as a weapon, they, the car manufacturer should have no liability. If somebody decides to drown somebody else in a pool, the pool manufacturer should have no liability. But unfortunately, we do know that in this country, frivolous lawsuits many times went out. Joe and I were watching something completely unrelated about theme parks. You know, we, we I have a an, recent, obsession. an obsession with watching... Uh, theme park YouTube and roller coaster videos and history of, of parks and things like that. Cause obviously I'm dying right now that I haven't ridden on a roller coaster in a couple of years, but um, <clears throat> they mentioned how there was a, a water park that closed a few years ago it was in uh, near Barstow, I think in the middle of the desert in between Vegas and, and Cali. But essentially they closed down because one of the workers decided he wanted to ride one of the slides after hours that was against company policy. But uh, so he started filling up the slide. His buddy did not let him know that the slide was not full all the way at the bottom. Went down the slide, basically hit the concrete barrier in the bottom and became paraplegic. Somehow he won the lawsuit, even though the water park had a policy of saying that employees cannot uh, basically, you know, that's, that's against their policy that you can get fired if you use their, the slides without any supervision and after business hours. So doesn't matter. Still lost that the water park had to pay four million bucks. They went bankrupt. So a lot of times those cases are taken up on emotion. We know that juries can be swayed by emotion. They don't care about logic a lot of times. So now imagine where we have a case where it's totally legal. Of course, the other side. I just don't see how a gun company will ever be able to win in a court of public opinion unless you have jurors that are strong and that are willing to base cases on logic. An actual. I can tell uh, you a little bit about medical law. Please. So I know when you get sued as a doctor, a lot of times the lawyer doesn't even care about like if you can get sued or not as a as a practitioner, and you may not have done anything wrong. Yep. And they're just basically using emotion. And I remember a friend of mine got sued, and they were very upset about the fact that they didn't even care that he didn't do anything wrong there was no malpractice the lawyer basically said you should just settle because the guy's in a wheelchair he's all messed up looking and you're gonna lose even though you can prove that this is a bs case you're gonna lose based on emotion and so she um, that was totally infuriated that she had to admit guilt to some extent and settle but that's how it is it's like they don't care about the truth yep they care about emotion mm. and, and that's and that's how we that's how this this country is nowadays we care more about feelings than facts. Yep. That's how it is. 
And uh, it just, it, it really makes things difficult. And that's what the other side is so good at. And, uh, you know, taking away liability from gun companies is just going to be devastating uh, if that happens. I know Biden wa wants to try to do it through executive action. I don't know if he can. Um, again, GWEBs can probably bring up what the exact right. I forgot what the, um, the law is that provides that protection right now. And I don't know if a president can just um, go against that or if it's going to take an act of Congress. But uh, either way, I think that that would be the worst thing that can happen uh, in the long run, just because you're going to eliminate basically gun manufacturing at that point. So by de facto, it's not going to kill the second amendment. You're still going to have all the guns that we've got, but it would just be really, really difficult. And obviously we would see a new gun buying is like going to die off pretty much. You would see a resurgence uh, of zip guns, pipe, pipe pistol. Yep. Oh yeah. You would definitely see that. And obviously the price of existing guns would skyrocket. Like nobody would get rid of any of their guns knowing that. Um, and, you know, spare parts would be a huge commodity as well in that situation. I don't even want to think about that. That, that's, that would be the that end. That to me is a Honestly, real, that, that would be a, the end. Yeah, that to me, well, it wouldn't be the end, but it's a very realistic scenario because they would not have to get or even restrict the Second Amendment, really. It, it would be. I'm sorry, but I disagree with you. It would be the end of the Second Amendment as we know it, because the whole point is for people to have guns, the people of this, of this U.S. of A. to have guns to defend themselves and to defend themselves against all manners of things. Um, and if it was difficult for people to have guns, therefore, less and less people would have it. And we try to spread the culture of guns by normalizing it and making it less, you know, terrifying because the media has done such a great job of terrifying people, you know, illogically uh, of inanimate, inanimate objects when they should be scared of is the evils uh, that exist out there in criminals, okay, not the inanimate objects that they use. Because do crimes cease to exist in other countries where guns are banned? Absolutely not. You see more stabbings, more people getting run over, you know, acid in the face, all kinds of horrible things. Doesn't stop evil from happening. Hmm? I totally forgot where I was. It was a good point. That was way. the point. Yeah. I don't know what my point was, but apparently I said it. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, unfortunately, uh, a lot of, it, it will come down to people making stands, you know, and saying that they're not going to. Oh, they're that's not what my point was. That certain things. It will not be readily accessible. We will not be able to have people have guns okay and the culture will die off we're already seeing the culture well, i think the I, I think yeah it, it's tough to judge whether the culture i think the culture is technically actually doing better than ever. about that well we have right. more gun, we have more gun owners than ever and right. like i said gun well, content it, we live in a weird place where because they control the government and the media they're able to manipulate the message to make it seem like we're always losing when the numbers show that we've actually been on an upward trend. And like I but said, it also it's very difficult to judge from my surroundings and the people I talk to because yes. I live in, and again, I'm sorry, 42 chills. You said this earlier, second, uh, you know, guns should not be part, you know, the second amendment shouldn't be, uh, political, political, but unfortunately it is being made political and not by people like us. It's being made political by people who are against guns. And that tends to be a certain side. So again, I, Continuing from my trend from last week, I'm not trying to bash the specific side repeatedly over and over again, but it's they're the ones who are literally attacking constitutional right, and yeah. it is what it is. Well, it's just inevitable. The if you want to consolidate more government power, 
eventually if you want to cross a certain line and gain more power you can't have any opposition and that means that your the people that would be opposed to you cannot have weapons it's just logical so if one political side believes in the expansion of government power they're going to eventually believe in getting rid of guns even though ironically the communist manifesto says that under no pretense should firearms be given away because the working class must always have guns. So it's ironic that many of these people are, are leftists and they actually don't even believe in like, now obviously the far left communism, they believe that for different reasons, but it's almost ironic that you have the side that is moving further and further left teaching their own people that guns are bad. The core of leftism to maintain power. Randy in the but chat says... But it's about says, them having the power. Yes. Obviously the elites, not yes. the peons. Randy in the chat says it's not about spreading 2A. It's about spreading, taking away freedom, eliminating, or restricting 2A is a means to an end. That's absolutely true. That is true. And that's what they'll always do. They will always try to find any means to, to push their message, push propaganda, and just, you know, do anything like that. I um, will agree and disagree with you, Mr. Randy. Um, I do believe... You're, you're right when you say eliminating, restricting to a the Second Amendment is a means to an end. But I do believe it is important to spread the Second Amendment message because, like I said earlier in the show, you find people who are conservative or they think they're pro-gun, but they don't understand the extent of what they should be leaving. Mm -hmm. And then once you explain it to them, they see the light. Yep. Um, and like I said, you see that a lot with Florida Republicans who just don't put enough emphasis on the Second Amendment. And they think, again, it's about a sport or hunting when they're not really thinking about it to its fullest extent. Mm -hmm. It's not about sport and it's not about hunting. Although those things are valid, that's not the full extent. Or you'll have a lot of those people that believe that, well, I'm responsible so I can own guns, but other people are not. So they You see that a lot. Yes, the elitist, elitist gun owners. There's a lot of those. Yes, where they, they feel like the rules for thee, but not for me. They're no better than the uh, rich worse. politicians yeah. who have uh, fully automatic weapons on their um, bodyguards. Security and all yeah. that stuff. Yeah, in some ways they're worse because they're just this, these terrible hypocrites that you're like, you got nothing. So why are you, de why are you defending like all these other people getting away with this kind of garbage and, and propagating this? By the way, our, our cat, I know she was very feisty earlier. She's apparently me taking away the bag. Um, completely crushed her spirits. I wish you guys could see her right now. She just oh, yeah, totally crushed. <laughs> She's upset. I'm sorry. I just saw her out of the corner of my eye. Mandatory Carrie says, No deer has ever been killed in self-defense, and it is not a lot of ear, neither? And not a lot of... I'm thinking you say it, you mean deer. I don't know. <laughs> it went over my head if it was if if it was a joke. I'm sorry about that. But uh, yeah. So uh, what else would we want to talk about here? Let's talk a little bit about what happened with Kentucky Ballistics because I believe uh, who's the oh somebody asked who's the DC Project lady for Florida? Shirley Wattrell. She actually yes. has a book. She was involved in. She was involved in the self defense shooting. She actually gave me her book. Mm -hmm. And uh, I have, I'm going to read it in my time off. Joe does do a lot of reading though. She's, she reads all the time. So this book I, is I on am, her list. Yes. It's, but, it's, uh, but she's got like five books that she's like in the process of reading. Yeah. So um, she's pretty awesome. Mm -hmm. I, and I, I do need to get more involved. I'm 
I've just been very, very, very overwhelmed with my work stuff going on. It's been very hectic and very stressful, but I, I hopefully will have more time. And um, I, I do hope I will have uh, more opportunity to, to do more in my community for uh, the Second Amendment. Mm -hmm. Looking forward to that. Yeah, definitely. Man, I, I, yeah, let's talk a little bit about what happened with Kentucky Ballistics. I know I was on Hank's show on Friday with Tony and we talked about a lot, but I think we should take a few minutes for people that may not have watched that show and talk about it. If you all don't know, Kentucky Ballistics is a pretty big uh, gun tuber. You can check out his uh, channel. It's just uh, at Kentucky Ballistics. I'll see if I can bring it up while I'm here. And uh, he was, uh, if you check out his IG, he explains the story. But he was shooting a, uh, a Serbo. It looked like a, a, it's like a bolt action rifle, single shot, 50, cal 50 BMG rifle. Uh, and uh, he was shooting some slap rounds, which are uh, armor piercing, they're Sabo armor piercing rounds. Uh, and one of them basically exploded. He thought that he had bought legitimate, I guess, military surplus or military ammunition. And uh, it blew up in the chamber. And that kind of gun. If you can watch the video on his channel, I'm not gonna uh, play it here. Please don't, because um, I don't want to watch it. Well, it, it's not it's not really graphic, but it's it lets you basically put the parts together because the way that the camera was angled when the gun exploded, you don't see what the damage that it did to him because his back is is you know to the camera. So thankfully, you don't see any anything graphic, but it's enough to see the force of it exploding. It was like watching a grenade explode at, at close range. So essentially, the cap flew into him. He he, uh, his neck was lacerated in his jugular vein. His um, eye. Yeah. So his he had temporarily blinded, and he's still kind of uh, messed up with vision in his uh, right eye. His orbital was shattered. Yep. So and I think his fingers got messed up, and one of his fingers may not work correctly again. So it was pretty devastating, and it shows, you know, a lot of the dangers that we take for granted that you know you can have, especially with ammunition, and. Um, and, uh, and, you know, we just need to be careful, pay attention to your ammo, and learn your gun. Really learning your gun. Um, this I was not that, a normal gun. Yes. Yeah, it wasn't. So you really want to learn your gun. You want to know how it shoots with different types of ammo. You don't necessarily want to push it. Um, you know, Kentucky's pretty experienced, so I'm not sure he did anything wrong in this circumstance here. And it's very hard to inspect ammo. Um, so... I would just tell everybody, be very careful if you're buying surplus ammo. I think nowadays there's a desperation for purchasing ammo too, since there's a shortage of pretty much any ammo that you would want to get, or at least, you know, it's, they, it can be prohibitively expensive. So there's going to be a lot of sketchy people out there that might sell inferior ammo, give you crazy reloads and things like that. So you want to be careful. And even for those of you that reload, you want to be careful about pushing the limits of your reloads. You don't want to create something that's too hot. You want to know what your specs are for your guns. You know, you need to look at what the pressure specifications are for your particular weapon. And now if you're going, if you're adding even more factors, like you're dealing with custom guns, like you build your own rifles, you reload your own ammo, you need to be a lot more careful about those things. So check those things out. Make sure that you buy ammo from a trusted source um, and that you know your guns. So... And yes, again, Armsman says God was definitely on the side. Yeah, have religious fitness. You never know what can go wrong. Even when we try to emphasize safety as much as possible when we go to the range, things can happen. You know, I, I've been shooting steel before. I've gotten hit by shrapnel before. I've gotten a little bit cut. 
nothing serious. But, you know, if you're not careful, if you're around a lot of people that, you know, you need your eye and ear protection. So, yeah, a piece of shrapnel may not do any damage if it hits your skin or it might just give you a small cut. But if it hits your eye, you're blind forever. And I, I actually know people who are trainers yeah. who I have seen not wearing uh, eye protection mm -hmm. uh, when they're just shooting for themselves or, you know, they're, they're having fun out in their personal range. It's like, no, just because there's nobody, no, you know, like... What's it called? Um, yeah, other people down RSOs. There. I'm like, yeah. I'm one of these. I forgot what it's called. An RSO to, uh, to tell you, you know, hey, like that's a range rule. You should always wear that because I, I've actually, I've had, uh, um, what's it called? The car, uh, the, the, yeah, your case, yeah. Sure, can't speak yeah. English today. Yeah, your casing. The, the casing actually like flew up and hit me in the face. Mm -hmm. I got a burn on my forehead. Yep. So right by where my glasses would you know, basically let it bounce off. So if that had hit me in the eye, I might have been blind as well. Yep. So it's always important. I actually like wearing a hat if possible, long yeah. sleeves. I have, sh I have burns on my arms. You know, I had a, a funny uh, story many, many, many months ago last year, probably where I got a pretty nasty looking burn on my, on my forearm. that looked like a, a baking burn mm -hmm. and people were like, were you baking? And I'm like, yeah, sure. Um, it's from a hot casing. Yep. So, you know, you should always, uh, you know, you should always be just dressed for preparedness. I mean, that's not going to help you if your gun explodes, but, you know, uh, the more likely scenario will be you'll have some kind of shrapnel or yeah. casing. But or if he hadn't like had even glasses on, he might have lost his eye entirely. So yeah. it couldn't make a difference. It's like, it's like a seatbelt in a car. There's a certain point where you're going to be driving so fast that you're going to get jacked up no matter what in the car accident, but having your safety measures in place can at least mitigate you from dying. So you can go from being very badly hurt to being dead. So I'd rather be hurt than dead in many cases, you know, maybe, maybe totally paralyzed would be awful. Um, but you know, short of that, it seems like he's going to end up being okay. So God bless, uh, God bless him. And, and thankfully he's okay. Um, but it's definitely a lesson that we can all take place and always be careful at the range. You know, we're going to have so many more new shooters out there. You know, another story that I had was I was out shooting steel and, uh, I was already off. I did my run. I was watching other people shoot. I was about 50 feet back, but I saw one person, I think he reloaded his own rounds and he had a misfire when he didn't expect it. And he panicked and he had his finger on the trigger in the trigger guard. So he ended up basically slap firing multiple rounds and he panicked and luckily they all went into the dirt, but things like that can happen too. Um, and you never know, you see some rounds fall off or you have a, uh, a click and no go and no bang. So, you know, rarely do rounds get cooked off, but that can still happen too. Sometimes you're not paying attention. You've got ear pro on again, knowing your gun, know the muzzle flash that your gun has, know the sounds that your gun makes. Even with EarPro, you know these tendencies. Uh, understand the recoil that your gun has. You know, a lot of times what you'll get is you'll get a round that doesn't go off or you might get a squib round so it gets stuck inside your barrel. Uh, you'll know what a squib sounds like because you're not going to see really a muzzle flash that you're used to. So, you know, pay attention to that. It's not going to sound the same either. It's going to sound weak. So pay attention to those things. Make sure that you're not shooting into another round that's stuck into your barrel. Learn how to uh, clear your malfunctions. 
Check your ammunition, especially reloads if you can. I understand that if you buy ammo in bulk, you're not going to check all your rounds. And typically from one of the large manufacturers, hot rounds are probably not something that you're going to find that much. But still, I get one that doesn't fully discharge and get a squib. Or you don't get a cycle, you can get a double feed. So know how to deal with these things. Many times it will save your life, not just in a catastrophic situation where you may have a malfunction, but in a situation where you're defending your life. So if you know that your gun has failed you, you can move on to your next line of defense or move on clearing that malfunction. Um, and you know that's why it's always important to also have a secondary line of defense if you carry it. So some people carry two, uh, two guns. I think in some states that's illegal for some reason. Really? Yeah, I think that you can't carry that. Somebody correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel you like somebody you, told me You that. know quite a lot about states, everything. you can't carry two guns. Does this, sound, does this yeah. sound legitimate at but all? In Florida, that's definitely not the case. But, you know, some people carry a secondary firearm, uh, you know, a revolver. At, the, at, at a minimum, carry a blade or pepper spray, something like that, that can help you have a flashlight. All those things can help if you can't get to your gun in time or if your gun malfunctions on you. I carry a gun a knife, a neck knife, a flashlight, and a stabby thing on my keychain. Yeah. So it's good oh, to and have pepper spray. Yeah, it's good to have as many things as you can. Uh and obviously tourniquet first aid stuff is even more and important. And a tourniquet, yeah. Because you're probably going to use that stuff more often than not than actually your firearm because you're going to be able to uh uh you know, you're going to be able to help in any situation. So if there's a car accident, Somebody slips and falls. Uh, if we have a natural disaster, like we often do, in um, in uh, uh, in South Florida, a hurricane. Yeah. Well, I mean, it totally can happen. It happened. Uh, well, that's we were, what I'm saying. Like, I was that's putting why up, having a tourniquet. I, you know, my first year, my first couple of years in Florida, we had a couple of uh, hurricanes, which destroyed my university. I was at my parents' house. We were inexperienced <laughs> putting up shutters. My brother. Uh, we had the 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 typical like the metal planks or the metal pieces that you have to screw into the windows yep. of a two-story house. Um, my dad fell off a ladder and my brother cut his arm, his forearm pretty nasty with a piece of uh, <clears throat> the sheet metal stuff is, is pretty sharp. Oh yeah. So, I mean, thankfully we have a house full of ER doctors, so he was fine. But you know, if it had been a little bit deeper, if it had been in a leg wound, you know, you, you never know when you're going to have a massive bleed and you need to, you know, Yep. So, do I expect to ever run into a shooting? Probably not. I mean, in my lifetime, it probably won't happen. Do I expect to maybe someday have an like cease an accident of any kind? Probably might. Yep. So, I carry it with me anyway, all the time. Regardless, it's just something you should have on you at all times. Yep. And you know, the range can be a dangerous place. You know, the range is a very <laughs> the range is yeah, it's, it's an extremely dangerous place, especially when you have a lot of novice people. So you're more likely going to get if you're if you're hurt. around guns like especially new shooters why not have it around you it's either for yourself yep. or for somebody else exactly and, and get that training get get your first aid training get your first aid kits learn how to use a tourniquet it is a skill that you will need more than your firearm and you end up using and you may end up using it much much uh, G Web's a question. He said he missed the question. I already forgot the question. Oh, uh, is there any state that it's illegal to conceal carry more than one gun? Yeah, at more a time? than one gun or, or multiple weapons or anything like that. Um, <clears throat> but uh, yeah. Is it time? 
I think it is. It is. We have reached that time where we are at the uh, the Constitution corner. So to this week, I believe that we're on. Are we on section seven or section eight of the Constitution? Section one. Viewers, by the way, says, "Oh yes, there's definitely states that are. Oh yeah, where that's illegal. Oh yeah, I, I knew it was true because I've heard it, and it was one of those things where I was like, well." They have some really ridiculous laws. This one's not as crazy from a, uh, yeah, from a anti-gun perspective. Like if they're going to make you pay a certain amount or if you have magazine I have to look this up now. I'm, now well, I'm well, curious. Well, think about it from this perspective. If there is a restriction on magazines in many of these states, then how could they not, re then how logically from their perspective could they not restrict you from having two guns? Because then it's like, well, I'll carry two guns with 10 round magazines each. I won't even have to reload. That's 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 their 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 logic is already crazy. So for them to say two, no two guns, that's crazy. You don't have to reload. That's too dangerous. Or then you're just fighting dirty. Why would you need two guns? It's like, well, what if my first gun malfunctions? No, you just want to be able to cause more damage. So that is the uh, that is my speculation as to why. All right, yes, I believe we're in section seven of the Constitution. So, are you ready for this? This is no, a long one. Go for it. This is a bad one. Uh, it is what it is. So, uh, let's see. We'll, oh, we'll God, see. no. Next week's is really bad. What, section eight? Section eight is ridiculous. Well, we'll, we'll have to break this up then. So, uh, we'll break it up for you right now. We will go up to the, we'll do the first two paragraphs of uh, section seven. Whatever. Finish it up. All right. Without further ado, Section 7 of, uh, or, or Article 1, Section 7 of the Constitution. All bills for raising revenue shall originate in the House of Representatives. But the Senate may propose or concur with amendments as on other bills. Every bill which shall have passed the House of Representatives and the Senate shall, before it become a law, be presented to the President of the United States. If he approve, he shall sign it. But if he shall not, but if he shall not, but if not, he shall return it with his objections to the house, to that house in which it shall have originated. Who shall enter the objections at large in on their journal and to and proceed to reconsider it. If after such reconsideration, two thirds of that house shall agree to pass the bill. It shall be sent together with the objections to the other house by which it shall likewise be reconsidered. And if approved by two thirds of that house, it shall become law. But in all such cases, the votes of both houses shall be determined by yeas and nays. And the names of the persons voting for and against the bill shall be entered on the journal of each house respectively. If any bill shall not be returned by the president within 10 days, Sundays accepted, after it shall be presented to him, the same shall be a law, in like manner as if he had signed it, unless the Congress, by their adjournment, prevent its return, in which case it shall not be a law. Artículo 1, sección 7. Todo proyecto de ley que tenga por objeto la obtención de ingresos deberá proceder primeramente de la Cámara de Representantes. Pero el Senado podrá por proponer reformas o convenir en ellas de la misma manera que tratándose de otros proyectos. Todo proyecto aprobado por, el, por la Cámara de Representantes y el Senado se presentará al presidente los Estados Unidos antes de que se convierta en ley. Si lo aprobaré, si lo aprobaré, uh, si lo aprobaré, lo firma 
lo firmará. En caso contrario, lo, de, de, lo devolverá junto con sus objeciones a la cámara de su origen, la que insertará íntegras las objeciones de, en su diario y procederá a reconsiderarlo si después de dicho nuevo examen las dos tercias partes del, de la cámara se pusieran de acuerdo en aprobar el proyecto se remitará acompañado de las objeciones a la otra cámara por la cual será estudiando también nuevamente y si lo aprobarán los dos tercios de dicha cámara se convertirá en ley pero en todos los casos de que se habla, la votación de ambas cámaras será nominal y los nombres de las personas que votan en pro o en contra del proyecto se asentarán en el diario de la cámara que corresponda. Si algún proyecto no fuera devuelto por el presidente dentro de 10 días, descontando los domingos después de, la, después de haberle sido presentado, se convertirá en ley de la misma manera que si lo hubiera firmado, a menos de que al suspender el Congreso sus sesiones impidirá su devolución, en cuyo caso no será ley. And it's also been a really long week for me. Oh, Um, I, okay, so Beth Alcazar, one of my very, very good friends, she works for USCCA. She, I can't remember if we decided Mother's Day. I think she did say. I think, said, I think, I think she's going to be on Mother's Day. So it's either going to be yeah. Mother's Day, but in case she has plans, it might be the week after. Your mic is out. Uh, I'm, I'm good. I'm, okay. Yeah. So... What, if you didn't hear what he said, he said, are we going to have a guest next week? The answer was, it's Mother's Day. Uh, I have to, I have tentative plans for Beth Alcazar to be on the show. Mm -hmm. She's wonderful. Um, I think I've, I've spoken about her before, so I'm very excited to have her on. She's uh, just as dorky and, and as I am. And you'll, if you like me, you'll love her. So, <laughs> I love her so much. So hopefully you guys will enjoy her. Uh, we can talk a little bit more about USCCA and uh, what she does for mm -hmm. them and what they do for people and maybe whatever topic is going on that week. That should be great. And then they'll talk about I Ambassador she, she Academy. Is, she, was, uh, she was with me at Ambassador mm -hmm. Academy. She is a, um, a DC project uh, representative for the state of Alabama. She's an overall amazing person for the Second Amendment. So, What's her favorite video game? Oh, and she's also a huge video game aficionado. Um, she and Joe play Xbox together on occasion. Uh, yes, so. uh, she's a huge fan of Borderlands, which you guys, if we watch our show, you have seen some of that. So, yep. so. 
But yeah, so we'll we'll let you know if we have Beth on next week. If not, it'll hey, be on the we'll week still after be that. Here, uh, and have a great Mother's Day, everybody. Next week, if you're not here, uh, we'll be celebrating probably on Saturday. So, mom, if you're watching, uh, that's when we're gonna go over. <laughs> if you didn't know already, so um, uh, thank you so much for everybody. Hopefully, you guys liked the new intro to the. Uh, to the show we changed up the music added a couple of different clips there and there's an outro and we now have an outro so if you guys want to stick around for that if you are a contributor to the show and you donate through the subscribe star paypal or any other way we're going to start adding the contributors to the ending credits so for now we've got our first three uh subs that have helped and contributed to the show in the past few months so thank you all to if you see your name there thank you very much we really appreciate what you have all done we appreciate all of you that watch the show every week. Spread the word, uh, uh, share the video, uh, get it out there, and we will have some more. Remember your homework stuff. assignment. Try to get a friend to subscribe, so maybe we can get a thousand subscribers by the time. We can do more live streams because we have always got our cell phones in situations where we're like, we should stream this, but we can't. So, all right, thank you so much, everybody, and have a great evening and enjoy the outro. Take care.